Good afternoon, folks. It's time for another installment of Astrology with Sicily. Today, we are diving into what I like to call, what are you working for? A 10th house examination. So the 10th house is the house of fame, career aspects, and basically any type of professional work that you would like to do. And today we're going into the basis of it. I'm starting with the article from Labyrinthos. And this is from August 14th. And I love the fact that a lot of things come to ahead maybe six or seven months after they're posted hello hakeem how you doing today i'm doing great sicily how are you i can't complain all right well hopefully in a few moments um we'll be joined at least in the uh the audience by uh sarah overman who is uh working with me now here with the unique equilibrium in Virginia Beach. She's also one learning podcasting as part of being the creative director. So she's going to learn a lot from, and she's uh, very much in tuned with numer- uh, numerology, astrology, and, and these divination tools. So awesome. All right. Well, I heard you're going to do a little reading to start us off. Yep, yep. All right. I'm, I'm all ears. Hmm. In astrology, the 10th house of the natal chart is ruled and the planet of Saturn. The cusp of the houses is additionally called the midheaven or NC, standing for medium coli, which demonstrates the kinds of professions that one takes after. For the most part, the entire 10th house is generally about one's career and how they appear to one's colleagues. An individual standing and reputation in the public eye are also to be seen here, as well as their accomplishments in their chosen field. The 10th house rules career. As the 10th house in astrology rules everything that is associated with one's profession, the zodiac sign at the cusp of the house and any planets that are placed within within conveys the individual's occupation. Remember that the 10th house isn't the ruler of the brief and and odd jobs that one takes to scrape by. It does not rule occupations where you're simply just another worker. Instead, these are the issues of the 6th house. The 10th house is in charge of your vocation in life, your calling. It rules your cognizant strides towards dealing with something you adore and care for. The 10th house house rules your contributions to society. The profession that is detailed in the 10th house is your dream job, the work which you will develop into a more complete being, your personal method for advancement and accomplishment. These occupations are typically independent work, an example that shows up pretty commonly when, when it comes to someone having planets in both their sixth house and the 10th house is that their sixth house rules the occupations that they have in their early lives, while the 10th house requires significant investments in time and effort. 
Saturn, the ruling planet of the 10th house, is the planet of time. It sets aside time for us both to discover what we truly love doing in our lives, and it creates the fundamental conditions where we can do what we set out to do achieve. Slowly, over time, the power of our vocation and careers are transferred to the 10th house. We never, need, we never again need to function as tools for another person. Work in politics is additionally led by the 10th house. The way that the government treats you, you can likewise be seen through the condition of the 10th house. While additionally, your own disposition towards them. Hmm. Also, <clears throat> the 10th house rules your dominant parent. Here you can also discover the relationships between all individuals who are in places of power over you. The 10th house also rules the more dominant parent of the individual. There has been a considerate, considerable measure of contention in the past on whether the 10th house referred to the father or the mother. Yet it appears that the sexual orientation does not assume a part in that decision. The fourth house, which is inverse to the 10th house, is in charge of the parent that is more nurturing and has a closer relationship with the child, a steady ground for he or she to venture on. The 10th house is the ruler of the parent that made the choices for the family, the one that was leading the figure or the leading figure, who could have been both a good example for the child or somebody to dread or fear. The 10th house rules your reputation. The 10th house is one of the, is the one that is mindful about how we appear to the general population. It represents our reputations and the feelings of the people who watch us and likewise how we are remembered when we pass away. Individuals with a considerable measure of planets in the 10th house will leave a profound effect after their death. And when essential planets are in conjunction with the midheaven, they may even turn out to be exceptionally acclaimed through their work. Remember that the proximity of malefic planets or ones with unfavorable aspects may make somebody remembered negatively. The world does not appreciate people for their accomplishment. The world does appreciate people for their compliments, accomplishments as well as judge them for them with considerable measures of feedback. Mm, that's a good one. <clears throat> Hello, Perceptions. How you doing? Hi, Paul. The 10th house. Hello, rules Paul. Degrees of the 10th house that border the cusps of the 11th house are the ones that rule governmental work. While they can also represent an individual's entryway into the world of power. Those degrees can mean a considerable measure of assistance from one's network of powerful people. Ones that have strong impact in the making of your vocation. Likewise, when, a plant, when planets are placed in the area of your natal chart, there's a very high chance that you will lead other individuals when you enter the age of your life where you become an expert in your field. The first degrees of the cusp are generally about creating your own particular career and the course you will follow in your profession and the fame you will derive from it. The 10th house rules your influence on others. 
something else you can analyze through the 10th house is whether you will end up being an inspiration for other individuals and guide them with your impact. It doesn't just include. Hey, um, you seem to have lost your audio, Miss Sister. Go ahead, so just shut off. But I'm back. Okay. <laughs> All right. There we go. All right. Oh, yeah, and one, one more thing. Hmm? You know, you don't, uh, you don't consider that maybe I want to say hi to Paul, too. You just uh, say hi and then go on reading right away. Like, make it look like I'm cutting you off. <laughs> Well, say, <laughs> excuse me, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, please, this is really interesting. This is, um, uh, I wouldn't say it's, it's the most interesting thing that I've heard you reading, but it's one of the most interesting things that I've heard so far. I've never heard this. What, <clears throat> remind us, what, what is this tome you're reading from? This is from Labyrinthos. It's a website dedicated to the 12 houses of the Zodiac. And, um, you know, I don't see any um, any information links, so maybe we'll put those in later, right? Right. Okay. All right. Indeed. The 10th house rules your influence on others. Something else you can analyze through the 10th house is whether you'll end up being an inspiration for other individuals and guide them with your impact. It doesn't just include the legacy that you will leave behind, but also how important your efforts will be to your supporters. The 10th house gives one great, one a great deal of opportunity to be fulfilled. And while ordinarily a single human can't achieve his or her maximum potential in one's short life expectancy. By teaching and guiding others, an individual can affect lasting change through peoples that they, people that they teach. The work that we put into the 10th house will remain despite the fact that our bodies may leave this earth. It is through the 10th house that we can contribute to our next lives. Tread carefully. Saturn rewards the individuals who hold their pride in check, but it can also bring a great deal of inconvenience if you choose to use your power to hurt those underneath you. And that is the 10th house explained by Labyrinthos. The house of ambition. 10th house, Labyrinthos. Sounds very, very cool. All right, so what um, what next? Are we going to be doing some very cool uh, some readings we're going to get up on here or what? Absolutely. All right. Um, what's today's focus going to be on? Career, fame, and Jupiter being in Aries till May. Career, fame, and Jupiter being in Aries until May. Yep. I get that right. That's interesting because uh, I wonder if we start to analyze it further, if we can break it down and see how, uh, if there are any uh, significant correlations with the numeral uh, eight in numer for numerology, the number eight in numerology. Because, you know, eight is the power, money, and fame uh, in, in uh, numerology. So 
we'll see how that matches up. I'd like to see, definitely love to see it. Let me add the link to all right. So, yeah, looks like there'll be some interesting things to tantalize our our listeners with today. Let's dive into it. Give me one second. My co-host has different... What's that? What happened? What did I do? I was trying to... Um, hey, hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Give me my rack time. Yeah. Uh, yes, ma'am. I'll take that. Uh, no, I was just... Uh, baby, my back. heart's on fire. <laughs> I, I, I did notice that you, you went silent for a little while longer than I thought you would, so that's why I was going to give you some space. You know, I usually don't um, let the air go silent. But it, it does remind me of a song called Lycanthropy that says, um, uh, it goes, um, when the moon is full, and the, and wait, when the moon is full, and the night goes, mm-hmm. oh, and when the moon is full, does he say and the sun goes down? Because that would already be, well, no, not necessarily, because the moon can be full with the sun still in the sky. So he goes, when the moon is full, and the sun goes down, fear all unnatural sounds. Human beast, animal, curse of the lycanthrope. Damn, damn, dying in the darkness. Damn, damn, not one of us. Dun, 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 dun. Bitten by the wolf. Dun, 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 dun. Not one of us. Pretty cool song. I see. I like lycanthropy. I like the idea of lycanthropy as well. Me too. You know, they say that was what one of the men in the Bible was cursed with, one of the great kings. And uh, what king would that have been? Oh, let me look it up, because I definitely remember that was one of my favorite stories. King cursed with A king cursed with lycanthropy. That's... Um, you know, uh, you can always, uh, when you are doing other things too, just leave that to me as your co-host and moderator to look these things up uh, while you're busy. The king of Arcadia in Greek mythology. Now, is did you say Arcadia, like A-R? Yes. Oh, okay, so it's not Arcadia. R. Or is it Arcadia? So, so how? How? Okay, now I'm confused. How's it spelled? A-R-C-A-D-I-A. That's interesting, because there's a place called Arcadia, but there is Arcadia. And interestingly enough, the school that I'm doing my PhD in, uh, the Wisdom of the Heart Church, is located in Arcadia. No, actually, it's... Never mind. It's Arcata, but whatever. There's an Arcadia and an Arcata or Arcata. Hmm. Very, very interesting. Oh, yes, yes, one of, 
So, um, let us. Uh, <clears throat> I'm hopping into this birth chart of mine because I like to use mine as a reference. Yes. Because it makes it a lot easier for other people to use theirs as a reference instead of doing going way too general and way too broad because that kind of what watered us down in the first place. Mm -hmm. Also, what's been going on with you? Um, well, I've uh, had to shuffle some things around and make some room to uh, onboard some help finally um, to bring somebody into Unique Equilibrium LSE who's a local um, because I've been getting overwhelmed with things and I need some help and some somebody there to bounce off ideas off in, in person. And so uh, I was gifted <clears throat> with an angelic being named uh, Sarah Overman, who I did a little short and quick video here, podcast yesterday, just to get her familiar with the stuff that we're doing and the tools that I use. And uh, she like uh, came in and just like, knocked it, things out of the park. I mean, she came, we, we'd be talked about it before, you know, we, we were in talks before, but then she came in, she put up a blog post through my, one of my websites. And then right after that, we used that blog post as a reference on a podcast, um, which she was on to kind of go over what she's doing as a creative director. And she came to the dojo. She learned some footwork for martial arts and stuff with Capoeira. Um, and uh, and then went with me to go look at a property for an office with a place called Regis. And her input was really invaluable because my stupid self didn't think to, to negotiate the prices. But she got the price reduced by like almost $1,000 a month by talking wow. to them while she was there. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sitting there about leg. to say, huh? Smart leg. Yeah, so I'm sitting here about to accept um, and maybe it was more than a thousand. Maybe it's more like eleven hundred. She got it reduced by because, yeah, it was going to be about thirty-two fifty a month or something like that. And she got it reduced down to twenty-one something, I think. That's um, dope. So, and I just got the the uh, final proposal in the email today, and the the uh, agent called, but I didn't have time to to deal with her today. Um, also, because I was going to go see okay. another building that was for sale that is zoned for both residential and commercial. So there's like a big warehouse on the bottom floor and upstairs is a spot where you can create two different living units. So um, I was uh, gonna look at that today, but you know, some people, and I already looked at this in, in, the, in the car, so here's, here's me bringing this now back into divination. But this person, um, uh, I met, was working at a certain place, you know, definitely not living up to their, their, their desires. Um, I don't know what their potential is, but just definitely not doing what they want to be doing. And then I decided to say, yeah, I'll, I'll work with you a little bit. And they happened to be a real estate agent like everybody else in Virginia Beach. <laughs> and they were going to bring me to a, this property today at 4.30. So I set 4.30 to go to watch, look at the property. And then, and then today... I get a message from them saying, oh, my daughter has this. Can we do it? 
at four instead. And I'm like, okay. Um, and the first thing I said was like, I have a partner now that I'm working with. So my schedule is a little bit more sensitive now, but I'll check. Right. And then, sure. and then even after I do this, she's like, oh, well, closer to three thirty would be better. I'm just like thinking to myself, this is the first time you're going to meet with me. You're already working in a place that shows that you don't even know how to do what you're doing to begin with. And now you're doing this. Now, and I was just thinking to myself, no wonder. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's no wonder. And then, so I was just fine. And then, then this person gets back to me and says, okay, um, what's, what's the deal? And I said, canceled because of uh, um, too many uncertainties. And their response was, okay, what does that mean? And I said, simply, our appointment was at 4.30 today. Anyway, that's, that's, you know, I could go on about this. It's nonsense. You know, it's pure nonsense. But again, my, uh, my creative director now, who hopefully will be here any moment, is uh, the complete opposite of that. She is a freaking genius. So. <clears throat> Paul asked a question, if you'd like to look in the comments. Yeah, let's take a look. So, Paul, yes, hello. I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, and he says, um, in the future, if you have time to answer an editing question about these rooms, that would be great. Thanks. Yeah, sure, of course, no problem. Um, anytime. Um, as a matter of fact, um, uh, Paul, I will be probably hopping on here in a little bit with, um, with Sarah to... Um, uh, help onboard her into podcasting here and we can go into all of that stuff about editing. So I don't know what your schedule is, but um, Cicely and I will be... Oh, he's, uh, he's in the calling queue. All right. Well, Paul. Um, yes. We want to um, see what's up. Hello. Afternoon, everybody. I don't want to change this into a room about uh, obviously questions about editing and things. It was just a very simple of um, when we go to public because you can actually speed up silences and when I've done that it hasn't actually taken out the silences yeah um, I don't use the feature I, I turn it on and um, I let it do what it does but I very often don't even listen back to full uh, recordings of these podcasts because I don't make time for that at this moment but uh, so I don't Maybe it takes the time to do it because I've just put together a quick overview of what I'm up to and just let it loose on the world on here. So <laughs> it was strange not seeing the features do what they say they do. Right. Well, some of them don't work. But like I said, let's uh, let's explore that later. Um, we're going to I'm going to be on later. And if you're around, I'll send you an invite and we can do some work. What kind of time scale? Because it's ten thirty over here in the evening. I don't know, sir. We're not going to be here done here for at least another thirty minutes. So, I, I said I'll send you an invite. If you're available, then you're available. Excellent. Not, Thank you. We can do it another time. Cheers, and Cicely, it's nice to hear your voice as well. It's nice to hear yours as well, Paul. Yes. And I appreciate you allowing me to ask that quick question. Oh, sure, we'll talk to you no soon, Paul. Problem. Now, where I was going, this is where, this is where I am. Okay, okay, okay. Tenth house, the MC in my chart is 10th house in Capricorn. So the natural ruler of the house is where mine is. 
People with Capricorn in the, on the 10th house cusp have a great desire for career growth and are likely to become scientists or work in education, libraries, construction, or politics. Their career growth is gradual and stable. Capricorn on the 10th house cusp brings success later in life. The ruler of my 10th house, Saturn, is in my 11th house. Careers of these people is often dependent on friends and acquaintances. They're often talented politicians and their careers may be related to elections. They have long-term plans and projects that are frequently ahead of their time. At a mature age, they often become well-known. And that makes a lot of sense because in my sixth house, I am absolutely scatterbrained. I have Jupiter in my sixth house, though. Jupiter in the sixth house plays an important role in the employment of people who provides help and service to others. They raise the morale of their co-workers, help them to resolve conflicts, and inspire them to cooperate. Their friendly attitude gives them talent for working in the public with employees or people in general. So having the planet of luck in my sixth house means I'm always lucky with finding another job. And funny enough, I started a new job today and everybody loved me. It's all about the morale. It's all about the luck, the joy and the optimism that I can bring when I walk into a room. People often tell me I seem a lot larger in voice than I actually am in person. I seem like a very formidable little creature. And then they're like, you're like five, three. You're tiny. I'm like, yeah, what did you expect? But it's always expected to be bigger because of that grand trine. I also have a grand trine in the 10th house as well, which is the yod, the finger of God. So I'm destined for it, but it will be a lot later in life. And funny enough, I just hit my first Saturn's return because Saturn takes 29 years, well, 29.4 years to get back to the original planet placement that we were at when we were born. So I'm yeah. almost done with, be done with my first Saturn's return, but I'm a slight bit of fame in podcasting. Because my younger years, I've been working since I was 16. I was one of those kids that had to start working. I had a, one of those rough upbringings where there wasn't enough money to go around. So I've been working through temp agencies and fast food work and different restaurants and different factories. And I've worked in just about every industry and I volunteered in like 10 times more. But that is a correlation between my 10th house and my 11th house. And from what I just read about the 11th house, so my 10th house has Capricorn there, but my ruler of that house, Saturn, was in the 11th house. So the career of these people is dependent on friends and acquaintances, talented politicians, always good with elections, long-term goals, frequently ahead of your time. And at a mature age, I'll be well-known. So I may be 60 before my work is actually recognized, but my pace at which I work is always gradual and stable. And even, Hakeem, even you have remarked about that. He's like, the way you move is very slow. It's very chill, but it's very focused. And that's just the yeah. way house works. So that's how the way which house works? The 10th house works. Okay, gotcha.
Now wait, tenth house have, is that like? Um, is the tenth house what planet? Saturn rules the tenth house. I'm ruled by Saturn. Funny thing is, I have Capricorn in the tenth house, but Saturn is on the cusp of the eleventh house, so it's right in between the little transition. So a lot of my work will be done in public affairs. And funny enough, when I read into the politicians, I was like, I'm not going to be a damn politician. But I have actually volunteered in so many political campaigns without me actually realizing it. I volunteered in courts. I volunteered for voting. I've always been somewhere in the mix of public affairs. So maybe not politics, but just public affairs and making sure people are always heard. But that also ties into my 12th house placements where I have Sun and Venus, Aries, Sun and Venus in the 12th house. And that's all about the hidden occupations, working in institutions. I'll just read Venus in the 12th house because that one just popped back up. Venus in the 12th house suggests secrecy and solitude. It points to the introspective aspects of character and they need to spend a lot of time alone. It creates socially withdrawn people who are a bit lonely and disappointed in their romantic relationships. They are very emotional, but can subconsciously control their emotion. This position usually creates a significant degree of compassion for oppressed people and all who are in a bad position. Now, if we just focus on that last sentence, plus the Capricorn in the 10th house and the 11th house with Saturn on its cusp, I am the underdog's champion. If there were people that had problems, I remember when I first started learning Spanish, I was learning it to help people translate for elections and getting their healthcare system together, making sure their phones were working. I was always trying to help people in those aspects. So it's really funny how it's correlating all together. My last three houses are in a grand trine, the finger of God, for slow but steady career growth. Now, I do want to take a look out. Oh, there are a couple of Leo in the tent. Ooh, Miss Mama. Hey, Jay, yeah. what are you doing today? Hey, Sarah. Hi, Charlie. Mm. Yeah. Um, what's up? Yeah, Charlie's been here for a little bit. What's up? <clears throat> and Jade. Jade, Jade, Jade. So you have... Now, Jade, I'm going to answer your question. You have Cancer and Leo in the 10th house. Cancer is normally at home in the 4th house. And Leo is at home in the 5th house. Are nurturing people and providing the fun and the love of Leo. So it makes so much sense that you're a pre-K teacher. Like that's right on the nail because cancer is the mother planet, mother moon. And then you have the father, the son right in the same place. So you have both. Oh, oh, you're asking for someone. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. 
Well, they have a good career in nurturing a lot of people. I also need to know what their sixth house placement is. And that's a lot about short-term work as well. So we can figure those two out. Is this a coworker? Hmm. Or a lover. You know, inquiring minds when well, I know I'm nosy. Oh, lover. But that's a good. Hmm? So you just change the tone when it, when you ask about lovers. But is it a coworker or a lover? <laughs> because I am a sucker for love. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love. That's the twelfth house horror story right there. The twelfth. House horror story. Like looking for love in all the wrong places. Yep. So it's an empty house in the sixth house. So that person would do very well in long term pursuits. Oh, I knew it was a lover. A <laughs> husband. And I see why he's attracted to you as well. Who better to be with than a person that nurtures other people's souls? So he has right. an empty sixth house. So what does he do for a living right now? Nurturing souls. Nurturing souls and being the awesome UPS. Logistics. Okay. Mm. That's funny. Because 10th house is about long-term careers. So when I look at Cancer and Leo both, are there any planets for the purpose of labor. Okay. So that's like the short-term sixth house work. Are there any planets in that tenth house? Or is it just the signs? And union building. Yes! That's the nurturing aspect. Okay, come on yeah. up. Thank you. Because I, you know I had too many questions. Yeah, you know. <laughs> union building. Me? Welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome. I think it I think it's fine. Let me know if there's an echo because I have you on a speaker. There's a little echo and a little there's delay. A little echo and a little delay. Okay. Um if it's too bad I can take out my headphones. So just Wah, la, la, la. Oh, it sounds nice. Okay. Though. Uh so what was the question, Cicely? Which which house were you asking about? The tenth house. Does he have any planets there? So it says his planets Mercury, Leo. Is Mercury like the what the not? I mean the normal tenth house. Is that what it normally is? Or no, it's normally. Well, I can't say normal, but it's ruled by Saturn. Ruled, yeah. Okay, so he okay, has Mercury. Okay, so he has, it says Sun. Here, maybe I'll take a screenshot and try to send it to you. Because maybe that'll be easier for you to look at. Wow. Yeah, I was telling, uh, Nick is his name. I was telling him about you yesterday. It was like, yeah, you have to check out, <laughs> you have to check out Cicely's show on uh, Colin. It's, 
Oh, I really appreciate that. But uh, he'd be interested. Okay. I sent a photo. Hopefully that answers the question. It probably will. Okay. So Mercury and Leo in the 10th house and Cancer in the 10th house. But he's a triple Leo. Wow. So his communication in the limelight, along with his nurturing nature of cancer, in the 10th house will really, he'll probably really, really benefit from something in the communications field, maybe caring for people or children, or teaching people how to care for children and people. Hello, little one. Hello, little one. <laughs> Maybe back then. But he also has Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune in the third house. That's the normal house of Mercury. So he's a hard damn worker. children. Hmm interesting chart to look at. I'm just scanning through. He's a triple Leo and a triple Capricorn. And a triple Cancer. Wow. Wow. That's pretty intense, huh? Very. But intense in a good way because he doesn't have any planets in the living placements. He's in the same generation as me, Pluto and Scorpio. He also has Neptune and Uranus and Capricorn like me as well. But he has Saturn in its natural ruler's place, even though it's in the third house. There's something really good coming. The only way I can describe it is going to be... How old is he? How old is he? 33. Okay, so he's finished Saturn's return. There's going to be some form of career change that he's going to absolutely... There's going to be some form of career change that he's absolutely going to lose himself in. It's going to be really fun to watch because he's going to put all of his passion into it. I think it may have something to do with communications or I want to say healthcare. Sicily might be the right person to talk to if you're talking about alternate forms of agriculture. 
That may be where you're headed. Funny enough, that was my degree. Like educational programs uh, about like farming or gardening or something too. As a way to like definitely, if we can incorporate like a wilderness school or uh, um, other things like that into the into the farm, would be something we'd be really interested in doing. Funny enough, I'm on that same path now. I'm working on a program to help veterans learn how to farm. So that's going to be where you get lost. That's exciting. And that's right along the way of healthcare and helping people, public relations, leaving a long lasting effect. That's the 10th house. That's the tenth house and all of its works too. That's really cool. Cool. Well, yeah, I uh, I got interested into um, astrology a uh, year or two ago. Just so you know, we can hear you a little bit, but not. Not so well. It sounds like you're very far from the mic. Okay, hold on. We're going to transition and grab headphones. Okay. Okay. So, um, the, you know, there seems to be, Sicily, a lot of interesting things uh, coming up lately, especially um, there's some really, some really hardcore manifestation stuff happening because, you know, you've been mentioning a lot about uh, astrology and uh, how you first entered into it because of uh, farming and agriculture and how a lot of uh, farmers actually used the, um, the, the, the stars and tracking of them and that part of astronomy um, to, uh, to be successful with uh, planting and harvesting. As well as pest control and pulling weeds. I found it through the Farmer's Almanac because they always told us to track the weather to know what days to plant. And as I kept looking through and tracking the weather and figuring out what days to plant, I started to realize the days that were used to plant were often Aries or Taurus. And days of Virgo were harvest and pest control. And if you had to pull weeds, it would be a good day during the season of Gemini. And I'm like, okay, let's see how far down the rabbit hole goes. And here I am almost 10 years later, looking at everything like, wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, pretty fascinating. And people try to talk about the valuability of astrology and the farmer's almanac. But when I think about exact sciences, I don't know too many exact sciences. There's only one. What? There's only one exact science. Math. Yes, you got it. Math. Yep, and it would be, and it's partnered with astronomy, but yes, mathematics is the only one that's an exact science. All the other ones are very fallible. Math, you can't, I mean, there's, because, because of this, because of the fact that mathematics is based on arithmetic, and those are the only functions you have are addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division, which are 
really addition and subtraction, right? So multiplication and division are addition and subtraction. And so you're really only working with addition and subtraction. So it's a binary system that's been extrapolated out into everything from irrational and irregular numbers and all this other stuff, but it's based on arithmetic. And arithmetic is infallible, one plus one, two, right? No matter what symbols you use for it. So that's the only exact science. And so astronomy is more directly even based on uh, on mathematics than a lot of physics is. So it's pretty much an exact science, um, as close as as close as you can get. Right, because one one statistic I seen was saying that the farmer's almanac was only right about eighty percent of the time. But if something is right eighty percent of the time for the past two hundred years, isn't that a good bad average? Yeah, you know. That's about as close as we can get, like, you know? Yes. Because over those 200 years, we have to account for anomalies like massive winter storms or the weather changing tests that we've been doing in the atmosphere. Those are going to cause disruptions. But 80% of the time, that weather is going to be consistent. That's what farmers have been using since the beginning of time until we started altering weather. Or using weather machines or throwing, what was it? Was it silver nitrate dust into the air to cause rainstorms? Um, it's uh, silver oxide, I believe, silver oh. oxide particles. Um, but yeah, that's seeding. That's called cloud seeding. And um, yeah, definitely no secret anymore. I mean, China has been doing it a lot. It's done in the United States. And I know that it's been done in California too because. Um, I remember one night I was walking down the street and there was like a very low fog hanging in the air and it smelled like refrigerant. It smelled like mm. how when you open up the, like if you have a new freezer and you open up and like that, you know how the, the, the mist comes out, the vapor comes out because the cold is hitting the warm air. And so it's fogging mm-hmm. up like, and you have that smell. It's not really, it's not a strong one. It's very subtle, but you know that refrigerant coolant type of smell. And it was in the air and I was like, this is artificial. I mean, this is definitely artificial. So there's something about it. I don't know um, what was being used for that, but it was um, it was definitely an artificial cool and cold that was in uh, that area of Encino, California, that I was uh, back in 2013 or 14, I believe it was. So it's been going on for a while. Mm-hmm. So outside of those occurrences where people are functionally bothering the weather. It's about 80% of the time that it's correct. And in my mind, that's not a pseudoscience. That's just a data collection system. But what is science but collecting data after doing an experiment? I can't think of anything. Yeah, a lot of it is. It's um, um, like security, observe and report. That's science. Yep. Observe, report, normal person. And I always come around to Astrologica being the sister to astronomy and also the sister to philosophy. And up until the time of Sir Isaac Newton, they were taught as triplets accompanying each other. And Miss Raquel, Andrea Raquel, she's on here as well. She was talking about from the philosophy standpoint that these three were the basis of everything in human communication in the old world. 
because philosophy is everything that has to do with human nature and how we move through this world. So it's pretty cool yeah. to see. Um, and, and the thing is, is that philosophy and math were really just one unified thing because a lot of the mathematicians, um, uh, actually philosophers, going back to ancient Egypt and then the Arabs and then the Greeks, um, very often used mathematics to um, to teach logic and reasoning and in philosophy. And so it was a, it was a, a way of of combining logic, reasoning, and reasoning into critical thinking for philosophy. And so mathematics is a tool for that, especially the formulation of proofs and things like that through ge geometry with Euclid. So it was definitely, um, you know, a useful tool for these things for very long. Yeah. I really adore the idea that math was used to create logic. One plus one equals two. So if this person plus this person comes together, that's two. It was a way to teach normal people that had never read a book at that time period how things worked in a manner without going too far into mathematics or talking too far over their heads. And no matter how far modern people feel as if they're far more educated than the people of the past, the national average for America in reading and math is probably like a sixth grade level. So astrology is a way to bring these concepts to normal people that don't have astronomy degrees, don't study astrophysics, just the regular people that just need to know why does this philosophy work here, but not here? Why is this working in my life, but this is not? And there are a couple of, mm, there are a couple of aspects when it comes to the 10th house that really stick out for me. And if people were to look deeper into their charts and see what aspects or trines or conjunctions are within the chart it'll make a good visual image of where we need to go like an example in my chart is the midheaven trying to the moon women or general public play a significant role on the road to success in these people's lives so imagine someone that had never read a birth chart wondering why they could not get ahead in their single-minded pursuits in their long-term career goals. If you read into your chart and you talk to an astrologer and they tell you, well, your midheaven is trying to the moon. So either women or the general public are where you need to look for to get your success in the long-term. So it's about generally working together. And another one in my chart is the midheaven in conjunction with Uranus. The positive thing about this aspect is that it gives people skillful and original behavior that helps them achieve their goals. The negative side of this aspect is that it may cause bouts of rebellion that can be responsible for change in their social status. And I am always called a fa either a fallen angel or a and I have a very Dave Chappelle attitude about it. Yeah. You can only counsel people that care. <laughs> right. That's that's truth. Um, you have to be able, you have to care. Uh, 
That's funny. And it's funny. I care a but, lot about the public opinion, right? but not about being canceled. Okay. See, I was just about to say that. I was about to say, we have to be careful. I've been talking to a lot of people about a couple of things about talking about saying that they don't care and that also um, that they don't judge because everybody judges and almost everyone everybody cares. cares. Um, but it's just like, you know, how, how do you, it's not what happens. It's not whether you care or not. It's what you do with that, right? It's the setting. It's not the set. It's not the blowing of the wind. It's the setting of the sails. So that's what the problem is. Um, what people have to look at. It is because even though I've had a couple of nasty falls, I've even had a couple of nasty falls on wisdom, but I slowly and steadily keep going. That is the point of me not caring. It's like, okay, whether I fall and fail or whether I keep going and ascend to higher heights, I'm only doing this because I love it. Yep. That's exactly it. Exactly. Now, I do have my Astra book in front of me as well. And if anybody wants to get into astrology, the basis, and all of those things, I have a link to AstroSeek in the comments. It can help you pull up a basic birth chart. Well, no, it's not a basic one. It's quite in-depth. And if you have questions, you can come back and ask questions. But right now, I'm popping over to... Write Your Own Horoscope by Jane Struthers. And it's a pretty, I think it's like $8 at Barnes & Noble at this time, right, Hakeem? Um, yes, at one of the Barnes & Nobles I know of, it's, yeah, just about 8 bucks. It's, uh, yeah, Write Your Own Horoscope. It's actually pretty cool. Um, they have stacks of them. And it's really, really useful. It really is, because I use it as a cross-reference to my online sources. Because the online sources are free, but sometimes I just like looking through a paid, just a paid book, or I'm really a stickler for paper pages. Because it even teaches you how to write your own horoscope towards the end. And that's a very important thing for a lot of people. Because it helps you understand yourself in a better standpoint. Because I don't, here we are. It's the associations of Saturn and the 10th house. So Saturn is associated with agriculture, architecture, elderly people, customs and traditions, frozen places and things, leather objects, junk and thrift shops, mountains, lonely places, and osteopathy. Quite, quite specific. Quite specific. Mm. That's in the association. Is very cool. Um, a lot of people don't know about that uh, that field, but do DOs, doctors of osteopathy, uh, have all the same rights and privileges as MDs, except they tend to choose more alternative methods of healing and complementary, I should say, methods of healing rather than surgeries and drugs and things like that. It's very interesting that that's in the ruler of restrictions and teachings. They call Saturn the strict teacher. Yeah. And it's funny that I have 10th house Capricorn, but the 11th house has Saturn in it. So with those two being right there together, 
it's kind of interesting that I have an affinity for agriculture, architecture, elderly people, leather, lonely places, and homeopathic remedies. So I'm kind of right on par with my ten pals. And there's also the basis of the ten pals. It's ambitions, goals, achievements, career, social status, reputation, government official, bureaucracy, public life, and status symbols. So in one sense, when we do mapping of transits, that's where we're going into the second part with Jupiter and Aries. Now, I will say Mars went direct on the 12th and Mercury went direct yesterday. We're in a brief shadow period before they get back on the correct course. But we have good luck with Jupiter in Aries because Jupiter in Aries is action towards luck. Now that the planet of action Mars and the planet of communication Mercury are out of retrograde we have a lightening of the load and pretty soon we're going to have Aquarius Venus in Aquarius which helps us think more logically in love and our passion of things to do so we're going to have a grand trine in the perfect direction to start new businesses because Uranus is also out of retrograde It'll all come to a great head at the new moon of the month in Aquarius on the 21st slash 22nd, depending on what time zone you're in. So once we hit that new moon, it's like we can finally start the new year because we were started the year in the middle of a lunar cycle with four planets in retrograde. And it was almost as if we had to stand still and look at all of the past problems from the last year and spring forward with a new idea. We had, it's like a limbo waiting period. <clears throat> but in good That's news, a good way to put it. Limbo yes, waiting period. Limbo waiting period. At least that's how it felt to me. I had a lot of technology issues, a lot of things just going haywire. I couldn't figure out what I was supposed to be doing. None of my intentions were working. And I was like, hmm, I guess it's time for me to just sit still and let everything fall apart for a little while. And now everything's coming to full course. But one thing to note, Jupiter will be in Aries until May 14th. And they say any business plans you would like to enact within this year should be done during this period because that's what luck to Uranus who's finally spinning in the correct direction and Uranus is the planet of innovation and change and newness so with all of those being in one direction it's like all right let's go let's figure out what we're going to do and figure it out quick well not necessarily quick because we have till May but if you try to start something after May it may have a shorter lifespan than something done when Saturn is finally moving correctly, Uranus is finally moving correctly. And if we can get Neptune on the same path, we may be able to lose ourselves in the greatness of invention. But that's only wishful thinking. Also, I'd like to note in what 
Uranus. Hmm? Uh, so you'd like to know what? One more time. I, the, I opened up the mic. <laughs> in one of the longer term transits, Uranus will be finishing its 84 year old cycle around the sun. And every time Uranus finishes its 84 year cycle around the sun, I think it's at the end of this decade. It may be like 2030. Every time it gets done, America has a war. <laughs> And, and um, wait, wait. Yeah, you said this before. Every time, because uh, I remember something that you you had posted that, and uh, Graciela reacted to it. <clears throat> like, that's terrifying, and I was like, "Oh, I think it's kind of fun." Uh huh. And so, but but when is this? What is this uh, alignment again? When when what happens? The America gets into a war. When it finishes. Its orbit is 84 year old cycle. Mm -hmm. That's when well, it'll be a 20. Maybe they're doing that. Maybe they're following on purpose. You know, people plan stuff in different places. Whoever's in charge. Remember uh, what Brady said, you know, uh, millionaires don't believe in astrology, but billionaires do. Yes. But you remember, I can even take it back to the ancient principle. You remember how we were saying the astronomers were the predictors and the astrologers yeah. were the interpreters? Yes. The first time that it made its way around the sun, there was the Civil War. The second time, it was World War either one or two. I think Probably it kicked off World War One. And then in 2033, it's going to make its third complete orbit around since it's been discovered in 1781. Mm. Interesting. I don't know. So a lot of people plan their businesses and business venture because, you know, war is a business venture around those correlations. Because yeah. in ancient times, if there was going to be an eclipse, that's what they would call the astronomer priests to perceive what was going on. Then they would take it to the astrologer priests and they would go to the temple and rally all the people in the town square. Just like with the coming of Jesus. When the stars in the sky, they called them angels. Up after angles. 30 degree After angles. 30 degree angles. And there were probably three planets in alignment when they were going through saying, the son of God is here. There's an eclipse. So the astronomers would predict the eclipse and the astrologers would go and say, hey, the child of God is coming. Look for a boy. So that's why those wise men and prophets went out looking for a child born on this night. With a star. The one and born star. under that star. Yeah. And uh, also there's some pretty startling but um, very definite connected links now. If we look at, I, I, I found something else out. Um, you know how a lot of religious people think that the world was, uh, you know, especially the Abrahamic religions about this whole 6,000 years, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's the time of the, the Beltane Festival when Taurus was in the sky. 
and that was around the time of Moses. Moses was around the time of when that when Taurus, the pre in the pre-session of equinoxes, was around, and he, and he went up to the great uh, pyramid, which they called Mount Sinai, but it's the great pyramid of Giza, and brings down the Ten Commandments. I don't know anything about that, but he, you know, drags around his brother Aaron by the hair, beats him up, and kills like three or four thousand of the followers, and then destroys the golden bull that they were making because the signs were changing from Taurus to Aries. And then about 2,000 years after that, that's when Jesus was born, as a, and they called him the Lamb of God, right? But then that was also coming to the end of the age of Aries when he was born. So when he's about 13 years old, he goes also to Egypt, probably up to uh, the Great Pyramid, and comes back and starts saying, I will make you fishers of men, because then that, that was when... Uh, Pisces, of course, was coming into play. And now we're almost at the end of that. You know, we, in 2160 is the age of Aquarius. So I wonder. So the thing is, is that um, people are chosen in these positions. These rulers in this bloodline are usually people who are stirring up changes at the end of these ages. And that's what people have to understand. So that's why we haven't yet seen the next coming of so-called Jesus. It's not going to be Jesus. It's going to be somebody else. And it's going to be around 2160. So it's going to be some time before that, someone who's going to be coming of age about 33 years old in 2160. So somebody who's going to probably be born at like 2127 or something around there. So about 100 years from now, whoever is born, and then they're chosen, and then they're groomed. And there are several of them who are chosen and groomed for the position because some of them aren't going to go along with it. So whoever doesn't go along with it, those people are silenced or killed. And then the ones who will go along like Jesus and like Moses before him, then they are the ones who come down and say, okay, whatever they're talking about, right? And they're using all this astrologically um, encoded symbol symbology, but it's already been, I mean, I don't know who who's going to do it. Are, we, are people still really going to be that ignorant? I think yes, because um, when they're making all this symbolism, like destroying golden calves and and making the devil look like a like Aries, which is you know a lamb or a goat, and talk, making all this talk about fishers of men and all this stuff. So what's going to be the next one? You know what are they going to be talking about next? And 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 people are still going to be fooled. It's been six thousand years since the Beltane Festival, and people are still in this religious foolishness and and not realizing the deep connection to astronomy, which is the uh, the other side of the coin of astrology, um, which is the the um, the predictors, prediction using the stars and the interpreters, like you said. So, um, and you know, I don't know uh, who's who, but I do know that um, originally that Moses or Amos, uh, who was the astronomer priest uh, of Akhenaten, aka Moses and Aaron. Uh, Aaron was the Pharaoh, which was the interpreter, um, and um, Moses was the astronomer priest who was actually the predictor. And um, but you see, for someone to have to to be able to beat up a Pharaoh like that and make and and make a spectacle of them has to have a high degree of power. And those were the astronomer and the priesthood, because they were the ones who were directly uh, consulting to the Pharaohs. But they were also they were consulting directly from the stars. Now yes, I think 
Yes, the gods are, are the planets, the planetary alignments, so to speak, or the stars. But I think with all of the people that are going back into agriculture in this day and age, I think they're going to call the next gen, the ones that come at 2160, the waterers of the earth. Because Aquarius is the water bearer. Mm. Yeah. Those or, life. or, or resources. Remember drought, famine. They might be the ones who are also bringing water to people who are thirsty because it's so polluted. They're, they have tanks of this stuff somewhere, you know. Yeah. <laughs> or, it's all, or they know how to clean it, you know. Purifiers of water. Yes, the purifiers of the water, because they bear the water. They're holding it. So what are they holding it for? You know, bear means to hold, right? So what are they holding it for? How are they How are they holding this water? What are they carrying it in? And so the other thing, too, what a lot of people need to realize about the whole idea that um, astrology, they keep saying it's a pseudoscience, is it's... <laughs> If it has such influence over everything, right, so many things, um, even even the fact that it's been used to name, like, scientific, uh, like, just for example, it's like the stars have been used to name, for example, testosterone and, and estrogen are named after, through, through astrology. And, uh, like, and, they, and everybody uses this in science and technology like the higher-ups to predict and create everything, even to the point that, that NASA has constellations at 19.5-degree angles over every single one of their launch and landing sites. And, and it, it, it tries to be debunked, but anyway. Um, there's there's got to be something said about at least the very fact. It, let's just say it is a complete a pseudoscience. How... <laughs> It's, first of all, you're tracking the stars and the planets and then basing things that you do off of it because it's cyclical. There can't, there can't be anything more scientific than that. Is saying, like, just basically doing this. We're going to follow this program of how these things go on cycles that we can predict when certain things are going to happen and when certain stars are, uh, and certain constellations are going to be in the sky at certain times. And we're only going to release albums or launch wars or plant seeds of this at these times. And we've been successful in ruling the world all this whole time. What is pseudo? What is fake about that? That's what's really fascinating to me. That's you know, the hijack. Is, right. And when they so. separated all three out and made them into different languages and structured studies, that's when we decided that the little sister astrology was no longer valid because it was a classist movement. Yeah. Yeah. Because the same type of math that astronomers do is the same type of math that I used to do when I did charts on paper. I like studying old stuff I'm one of those hipsters that will go do the most vintage thing I can find simply because I want to see how they used to do it way back in the day. So I started out by doing charts on papers with a protractor and pencil. And I was learning the same type of math that astronomers do on paper. 
I'm not a mathematician, but as I learned more about charting angles, I looked at it and I was like, okay, I see the same correlation between, between astronomy and astrology. And then the more research I did, I realized they were sisters and they were one of the original sciences. And I was like, cool. Yeah. So now I use, I can still it's do them. It's actually referred to as the oldest science because it came even before math. Um, True. Looking at the stars. I mean, like, because it's directly connected to agriculture. Because that's all people could see. They see the sun moving through the sky and, and setting. Plants follow it. Animals and insects uh, go along with it. So, I mean, it's it's one of the most apparent things to observe. And that's where, a lot, where science comes from in the first place is through observation and observation of patterns and then deducing what comes from those patterns. Yeah. And that's the wave. That is where the hijack began. And now we have all of these tools, all of these chart reading equipment. We even have some paid services that go really far in depth with it. And people still want to call it a pseudoscience when it was the first thing we could ever really track and do. Once math became a thing, we started adding math to it and it became less and less likely to fail. Unless, yeah. like, we even track deadly asteroids that could possibly hit the Earth and watch their orbit to make sure they don't get thrown out of alignment and crash into the Earth. Which I, you know, I'm kind of rooting for. If I could, we know. I'm going to find a way to uh, use a, uh, increase the gravity well, um, as opposed to the gravity hills that pull things away, and see if I can get one of those, uh, if I can lasso one of those meteoroids to get on course with Earth. See, Hakeem is one kind of supervillain. I am the other kind. Oh, the murderer of the heart versus the murderer of the world. Venus in the 12th house. <laughs> Venus in the 12th house versus Venus in the 5th. It's very hilarious to watch. Yeah, well, we've got a Jade in the queue, so... <laughs> Wow. All right, you're back. But you're both lethal. <laughs> so, yeah, cool. Uh, I, if I send my aspects to you, can you just kind of tell me your thoughts and stuff? And I don't know. See them? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, sorry, I put a call. I don't know how long you wanted to stay on today, Cecily, so I don't want to take up much of your time. Well, we're at 1.15, an hour and 15 minutes we've been on so far, so um, maybe maybe 15 more minutes, but it's go ahead. We're good. Yeah, I can get it done in about 15 minutes. Cool. I, mean, I don't know if that's more helpful or, like, the link that I sent with Nick and, like, the... You know, planets and houses. I don't know what you prefer to look at. Both, both of them look pretty good. Okay, you got Venus. Well, Mars in conjunction with your sun. That's a positive. Well, that's an opposition. You got a bunch of sextiles, squares, oppositions. It's a pretty well-balanced chart. 
From what I'm seeing, let me go back to, I would also like one with the planets and houses. Okay, let me get that. Because the aspects are really good, but I have to know what houses they're in so I can pull data. So um, while, while she's working on that, too, I wanted to see how we could, um, I want to organize, because I, you know, I did a lot of work for um, dispelling misconceptions about uh, clinical hypnosis, just hypnosis in general, because people seem to think that it's some kind of belief system when it's a, when it airs more on the, on a science as far as what's behavioral science, and, um, and it's, a, it's a very big part of psychology and um, so we, we need to to get together some more organized um, dispelling of misconceptions about astrology and the whole pseudoscience um, guys or just uh, label that it gets from people who don't know what they're talking about which is most people, right? Right. Um, so, um, and, because, and you know what's interesting about that? Almost nobody knows about it because almost nobody studies mathematics. Everybody thinks math is so hard. They're all like, oh, it hurts my head, or we're not going to use that. Or, okay. You know, so this is, why, this is why there's so much stupidity. Um, Absolutely. And because of this whole disdain for mathematics. And I, and I know that sounds insulting. I'm not meaning to be, but uh, do a calculation or two, folks. Yeah, a few calculations. Now, Jay, one thing I see in your chart, you don't have a lot of Venus aspects. You got a trine between your north node, your... Wait, did I turn the right link for the last one? I might have... I think you sent me two of the same one. Oh, I'm sorry. I just looked at that and was like, wait a minute. But bit. I can go in general from right there because one of the things that stuck out to me the most is your Venus placements. And it's in conjunct with the 10th house, which I was talking about today. And that was really, really cool because one of the things about Venus in conjunct with the midheaven. It says you can meet partners through work or by being in the public eye. And emotions can be heavily connected to childhood experiences. So depending on how your childhood went, a lot of your emotional experiences in marriage are kind of the same. Mm. Then we have you're a triple Capricorn as well, too. That's why you and your husband have a good... Wow. Wow. Mid-heaven in the 10th house. No. Leo in the 10th house. Let me get a good look at that. Okay, so for the sun... You have sun in the 11th house in Virgo. That's really, really, really standing out to me. 
and it's an emphasis on working as part of a group, a need to be with kids, far-reaching plans, you're kind to colleagues, and you have humanitarian ideals. The potential pitfalls, individuality turns into eccentricity, bossy, intellectually superior, or too progressive. That could be a potential pitfall, not saying that's actually how you are. She's got a little bit of that progressive, uh, that progressive um, is a big part of some of the stuff that I listen to when I stalk Jade. Hmm. One thing I will a little bossy too, but you know, not, <laughs> <laughs> I try. I feel like I've uh, learned to control that a bit. <laughs> I think it tempers down with age. But as we grow older or we get past the Saturn's return, we kind of learn our lessons. Because I'm in the middle of a Saturn return. I don't lessons. know, man. I, I'm always. I'm always wary about these uh, these comments about um, talking about how people change things because of their age. The only thing most people change because of age is they physically slow down because they haven't taken care of themselves. But uh, but the and and that may take a mental toll on them and force them to change. But they're usually not doing it because most people just allow themselves to remain sick and unhealthy, and the only and they only change their attitudes because they they're forced to because of their ill health. But as far as like people changing their attitudes because they're actually thinking about stuff, and I, I'm not saying that Jade is not a thinker because obviously I just commented on her being um, progressive. But for most people, won't do any of that kind of stuff and changing because and they're not thinking about it. And that's why Saturn's return hits so hard over and over again until you die. It's a 29-year cycle. You get 29 years to figure out what you messed up on, and by the time <laughs> Those people that didn't want to change during the last cycle, once they hit 59 or 60, they're on their way to death because they have heart disease. They may have failing cirrhosis of the liver. Like, it lines up with the same type of attitude. Yeah, because age is no determinant of wisdom, for sure. Absolutely not. Yeah. People like to say that shit all the time, but it's complete nonsense. It's like maybe maybe you're you can talk about something different like intellectual age or like thinking age or something whereas or awareness age because if someone's consistent because if someone's consistently thinking about progress or is continually educating themselves for example then that's a different way of making that kind of progress but um, if they're just getting older just from chronologically then there's no there's no growth there. Yeah, some people live the same life every day, every year, and call it a life, and it's not really a life. Yeah. Ooh. I did see, like, a meme one time. I know, I know that's, you know, not <laughs> anything, but it was, like, uh, that in your 30s, you re-embrace the uh, aspects of your childhood that you learn to repress uh, for the sake of you know, being normal or getting along with your peers or, or, you know, trying to conform or something. Yeah. You start to embrace who you are truly. I thought that was cool. I'm like, I hope so. Yeah. You know, I'd like to care less about other people's perceptions and 
worry more about like how I feel about things, you know? I don't know. Yeah. That makes it makes sense to a certain extent because uh, again, I said this, I say this over and over again, it's not about caring less about other people's perceptions. It's the same thing about a lot of things in this way. It's not the blowing of the wind, it's the setting of the sail. So you can care about people's perceptions because we all care. People try to say this, I don't care, I don't care. That's not, I don't think that's necessarily the case, but it's how, it's what you do with what happens. The same wind blows on us all, right? But it's the setting of the sails. So it's, yes, you can care, but yeah, it's sort of how do you respond yeah, to that? Yeah, you're right. Care isn't the right word. Just, but more confident and just myself, even if I am eccentric or whatever, you know. Right, making your own path, sticking being, to that. Yeah, being less influenced by. There you go. See, yes, yes. Yeah. Or yeah. just using the influence that, that it gives you because, see, again, I know I'm being very uh, counter to this stuff, but just be more clear it's not necessarily about you being less influenced it's about where does that influence push you where are you setting yourselves if you think about it like yeah. that uh, the wind so yeah you're going to be influenced no matter what but how are your sales set that's it like if i think we can simplify it to that like you'll be influenced but in what direction like you know mothers against drunk driving was started by a woman whose child was killed in a drunk driving accident she could have just drank herself to death right with booze but instead she created a movement to help make more awareness about this issue. So so she was influenced very heavily, obviously, but just not to committing suicide herself, right? Which happens to some people. They lose their child and they're done. Right. It's funny that what y'all were just discussing shows up in her chart. All right. Bring it on. She has Mercury and Venus both in Libra in the 12th house. So Mercury and Libra... You're able to see all points of view. You're good at being a liaison, courteous, diplomatic, and tactful. The possible pitfalls, indecisive, vacillation because you don't want to cause an offense and you depend on the opinions of others too much. That's a possible pitfall. And it's in the 12th house where your skills lie. Charity work, prison visitors, visitor, hospital worker, spiritual advisor, or leader, intellectual resource, research. And that's a pretty interesting I'm going to school. Um, hold yeah, on. Yeah. That background so, was okay. Okay. Uh, regular day-to-day so, yes. life you were talking about her the the different uh aspects of things could do like being visiting prison charity work charity doing work, a lot of, it's a lot of introspect into leadership spiritual advisors or leaders the 12th house is the house of institution learning like teaching institution mental institutions prisons insanity Helping those in those. It's a very loner house. It is a deep dive into it. But I was looking back at the aspects of Mercury. It is squared to Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. No, not Pluto. Saturn, Uranus, 
Jupiter and Neptune. And that is a deep, that provides a lot of friction points for growth. So you may have seen friction in your scope of vision, your erratic, if you had any erratic tendencies when it came to technology and your intuition and being creative, blurring lines, big ideas, active mind, people skills, you're optimistic, you're good at lecturing, but the communication may be stunted because of the 12th house. And the 12th house, I tend to say it feels like you're talking with marbles in your mouth, especially mm. with Venus in the 12th house or Mercury near that house. It feels like almost like mush mouth. When you get flustered, it's hard to speak the way you need to speak, even though you're a great speaker. Distractibility. It causes issues for us to grow through, but not necessarily a detriment, if that makes sense. Right, because a lot of issues or challenges like in, you know, weightlifting, they're challenging, but when you do it, you get stronger. And by the way, uh, I don't know uh, if you saw him, but Brady is in the queue and Jade. Um, I don't know if you're finished up with what you were Thank you. saying for the moment. Yep, I'm good. I can make way for Brady. I and then we're at, yeah. Appreciate it. Sure. And then uh, heads up, we're at uh, one hour and a half. It's uh, 629, so an hour and 29 minutes we're on. So Brady, just keep in mind that we're usually keeping these between uh, 60 and 90 minutes. So what's just up, Brady? Just for listenability. Take your call. Yeah. Oh, hold on. Before I... Um... Well, Hannah, if you could screenshot your chart, I could definitely read it the next time. I'm here at five, five days a week. So if you can catch me at five, I'll definitely have you up first. And if you want to just message it to me on here, that'll be cool, too. All right, Brady, what you got going on today? Hey, Brady. So, Brady's uh, I'm muted for now, but... Um, oh, there What's you go. Up, fellow, What's up, fellow Earthlings? So, the problem that I'm having right now is that I'm focused on so many projects at once, I can't focus on, like, the one project that's supposed to be, like, serving me. <laughs> And it's uh, like all my little projects are relatively successful. But this one big project that I'm working on, you know, my starting my dojo up and all that kind of stuff, is just like it's all of the other projects are more instantly gratifying. And this is the project that is like more of a long term thing. my daily energy into it but i know yeah i'm like i i just got a new project that i'm working on today writing music you know and it's kind of like man maybe i should just put that all the way to the side until i complete that one thing but at the same time it's like 
music is how I fund all this, all my other projects, you know, so I do kind of need to be working on that as well. So I'm trying to find balance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I will say with today's discussion is right on point because the 10th house is about that slow gaining career aspect. So I wouldn't say give up on it, but just know that it may take a longer period of time versus the instant gratification of the sixth house pursuits. So if you're using music to fund your dojo, I definitely don't suggest you quit doing that because that's important. And that's also a fun thing to do to keep you balanced. So, yeah, uh, like, for example, Brady, my my security business funds my my dojo. So we're at the point I don't have to have any students and I can still be open, you know, like. So something like that, where you boot, you have, use one business or even your job to bootstrap something that you really want to do. Um, you know, you don't want to give up that thing, especially if you're enjoying it. Like I enjoy doing the security work because I'm at a party all the time where I don't have to be involved in all the drunken malarkey, but I can be a wallflower and just make sure everything's all good. So, Yeah. Finding opportunities like that. Like I just took on another job as well as being a virtual assistant to fund my astrology pursuits. And the more I get into it, the more I have people subscribing on Patreon, the more I have listeners on call in. It's about balancing. But knowing that in Saturn's pursuits, the 10th house pursuits, it takes a lot of time. It's more career inspiration, aspiration versus quick money so it's never going to come quickly but don't quit your side projects if they're funding everything that you need it's very important much appreciated yeah i'm kind of nervous about it because it's like a a new direction in music and it's kind of like uh yeah you know it has the a lot of potential to go absolutely nowhere and a lot of potential to really kind of boost me and kind of put me in the place where I need to be. So I guess I might as well do it if I'm not doing anything else on the side. I mean, you may find that you can incorporate both. The music you play in your dojo. Well, that's a fact, actually. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I might end up writing something good it becomes so popular that I can actually play it at like my karaoke shows and some of my other shows. Uh, and yeah. So thank you. I'll just keep working. <laughs> I'll just keep working hard. Yeah. I say, follow the dopamine, whatever makes you feel good. As long as you're working towards a goal, if it's making you feel good, that's kind of where your mind wants you to go. That's where your natural inclination goes. And I gotta know, what's your tenth house placement? Honestly, I have to download uh, CoStar again because I think I, ha- I may have had the wrong birthday in there because I was salting my data. So <laughs> I'm gonna try that again. I'm gonna try to get that answer for you. You know, this reminds me of. Oh, go ahead, Cicely. Oh no, I was just so so he could bring me some proper information. And I can really help him out. This reminds me of some practical metaphysics. Um, two of them. One is the what he just mentioned is the um, the emotional guidance system, or you just said dopamine. Actually, you said you said that. So you said follow your dopamine or what feels good, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and then the uh, 
The other one, well, which is really practical, comes from Earl Nightingale's The Strangest Secret, which is um, defining success because you have to de give it a definition if you don't already have one um, to go to start move, something to move towards. And he, he defines success as the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. And a lot of people don't think of, of defining in such a succinct way. Um, but if you think about his, he gives some examples that basically it's when you decide to do something ahead of time and you're taking the steps towards getting that actively in the moment, then your success, because success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. And it's something that doesn't stop, right? So um, he gives the examples of, of a housewife. If she decided ahead of time that's what she wants to do and she's doing a good job of it, taking care of the kids and educating them, she's a success. If the person who is a salesperson who wants to build and work with your organization, they're a success if that's what they decided to do ahead of time, right? Okay, guys, I'm so happy to report that I finally got my proper birth chart and I'm, I'm back on track with CoStar again. I, <laughs> I had like a proxy account in there. I don't know what happened. But uh, the proper, my proper chart, it looks like there's nothing in my 10th house. Is that possible? Yes, quite yes. possible. Yeah, so uh, it turns out I'm Aquarius Libra Leo. Interesting. Aquarius yeah, Leo is Ascendant. Libra is my moon. Scorpio is in Pluto, Capricorn and Neptune. I got Venus, Saturn and Uranus and Sagittarius, Sun and Mercury in Aquarius, Aries and Mars, Pisces and Jupiter, and uh, no 10th house. So that is so, the, when you have an empty house, it defaults to the ruling planet of that house. So you still get the energy of Saturn. Saturn. So you kind of got the pure slow work moving through piece by piece and Paul in the comments he was saying a good piece of advice I was told it's a marathon not a sprint and that's the exact energy of that house when it's completely open because there's nothing to rush to so you have a right on. I like that house. concept Yeah. So work piece by piece and using your emotional guidance system, especially with that Leo moon and no, it's Leo rising Libra moon. Work on balancing and keeping your goals balanced, not trying to work yourself to death, but also doing things that you find fun, aspirations. And who knows with that Leo rising you might be famous after a while leos take their time in the sun so you may present as leo as well future rock that that could be accurate i, I play a lot of music i can definitely see that working with an empty 10th house, you have all of Saturn's blessings, so to speak, without any aspects or squares so, that cause growth. Um, just want to let you know that uh, Hannah, she has uh, sent you some messages also. And um, we're at uh, 640. 
Okay. Well, I try now, to. Now, if you're not in, yeah, sorry. If you're not in any big rush, I know you want to keep it in an hour. Um, I'm going to be at least until my creative director gets here. But um, but also, if you need to end sooner, I'm okay with that, too. I just want to make sure. I guess I can hang on just a little while longer. I thought I was going to have to go run and do something, but I'm pretty much free. And if okay. so, maybe we can get, because we've had Brady up for about 10 minutes, maybe we can get um, get at least started with Hannah. Um, although she says, wait. <laughs> but, yeah, if we'll she see. wants to wait. Yeah. Oh, here she goes. She's in the calling queue. Brady just jumped down. Um, okay. So let's go ahead. We'll probably just do a two-hour show today. All right, so we'll go to uh, 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. That's probably when Sarah is going to actually walk in here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm either way. I can wait or go. It's oh, no. I'm looking at your chart now, and I was like, huh. Hi, Hannah. Hello. It's a lot of Virgos around here. We have the same moon as well. Your Taurus Moon, Sun and Virgo, Taurus Moon, Sag Rising. My daughter is a Virgo Sun, Aquarius Moon, Sag Rising. So that, I find that really, really cool. Okay, so your house is in Libra. That's where we're, we're starting the discussion point for today, and that's career aspects and stuff. I'm pretty sure you've been listening in for a good while. So, 10th house in Libra, you can do a lot of justice in this world because Libra is associated with beauty parlors, interior design, furniture, the color blue, the kidneys, sapphires, copper, cosmetics, social functions, and tailors. So, when I look at the 10th house, With your Libra. Mm. The financial power will be big business, top dogs, and leadership roles. You have a very Venus ruled sign in the 10th house, and that's pretty cool. And you have Venus in Scorpio, intensity. I love it. And Venus also controls money, but you're also aspected by the energy of Pluto on a planet. So money can be a source of satisfaction, but also a way of controlling other. Because Scorpio is known as the planet of inheritance when it's in certain houses, especially in the eighth house. It is the planet of inheriting, but you have Scorpio in the 11th house, which is interesting. This is a really cool chart. Like, I'm just pulling pieces. Each piece I look at and look up, I'm like, wow, okay. So, we got, I'm flipping back, medium coli. Your planet's in the 11th house. You have Scorpio in the 11th. 
you always have a select group of friends. You're transformative. There's transformative, and you have intense friendships. Like you're that ride or die friend. Like I have your secrets all to myself, kind of thing. Yeah, definitely ride or die, and stand up for everyone. Yes, the underdog fighter. The ass yeah. kicker. <laughs> Sets people now, straight. Hannah, I wonder about. Um... Do you have any specific concerns, or did you ask him already that I miss about career or anything like that? I know you're you're a photographer, filmmaker, so, um, but you say you're ready to give it up, give it all up for the people. Um, but uh, how how do you see? Uh, that's interesting, and and also, do you have any specific questions about that? Is my original intention? No questions. Um... But in terms of my photo career, I kind of given up on freelance and just kind of focusing on full-time teaching or I'm trying to get my foot into teaching because freelance is unstable. Um, But like when I, I listen to a lot of politics and actually I just got through listening to Aaron Monte and um, some uh, on his call-in, someone was, uh, they were talking about the potential of Jimmy Dore running for president, and they were talking about how that's a big sacrifice. <laughs> but for me, it would be so easy, and I would be so passionate. Like, giving up my life would not be. It would. I don't know. I wouldn't be concerned because because uh, I don't know. I'm just sometimes I'm like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm always the the one who volunteers to just do all the work. But yeah, that's how I generally feel at this time. Is Settling and stop being in the rat race and, yeah, frustrated with the... How about this? I want to, as soon as you were saying that, I was reading about an aspect in your chart, the 10th house in your chart. You have a Venus rule energy in that chart and the influence, I will read this to you and this might kind of shock you a little bit. You will be great for careful, creative work. You may doubt your talents, emotional restraints with colleagues and clients. But when you were saying that you're ready to give it up and you die about it or you just sacrifice everything to do the work, the modern ruler of Scorpio is Pluto. It used to be Mars, but Aries and Mars used to be two sides of a coin. Aries is what you would live for. Scorpio is what you would die for. So it's very funny that you were talking about sacrificing that career to go into something else. And I'm like, wow, she's like right on par. Yeah, I was like, I I listen to a lot of politics and I'm like, the only way things will change if someone's strong enough to stick to their word that like, they have attempts like people try to kill them every day like there's like you know they're such a so against the system and so, like i don't know just like i feel like the only yeah a leader that has has to be willing to die yeah i feel like in america that that's the our only chance is someone who knows that they might lose their life and gotta be okay with yeah because it. it's like it's for the you know so worth it everything like our economy is diminishing and like middle class, like, you know, it's like, it's getting harder and harder to live. And like, I'm just like watching 
France, and I'm like, why can't Americans just be like so? Like, why can't we just have a labor movement? Just like. I will tell you this: America's at its Pluto return. It's coming up towards the Pluto return, and it's almost ready for a complete and total restructuring. So we might have a good. We might have a good change. What's that? And we're almost at the end of the 84-year cycle of Uranus return. That's about 84 years. So by 2033, we will see a total, either a war or a total restructuring of the governmental parties. So, you know, you might be able to get somewhere. Wow. Yeah, I could totally, yeah, wow. Well, I mean, and there, look, no matter what, there's going to be a change anyway of some kind. We just have to figure out what it is because these people are using these cycles to plan things around. Yep. So because they kind of open up energetic gateways and doorways, regardless of whether they be metaphysical or not, there are things that happen um, at these different times that make it more favorable. Um, and a lot of them might just have to do with with subtle changes in some things that can be measured in in material science and physics that happen to affect human bodies in ways that make this uh, certain, or they're just using it as a time scale, like a giant, a massive clock, right, in which to set things. Hey, this is, now it's your turn, guys. You know. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Also, before you go, I wanted to look further into the career and the piece because I know you were saying you were getting ready to give up but there are some pretty distinct money that you may have coming because the 12th house with Sag being in the 12th house and Scorpio being in the 11th you spend it will be favorable for you to spend money on your hobbies friends, groups, and societies, as well as charities and things you like to keep secret. Because from what I'm looking at with the sign, Venus, especially with Venus and Scorpio, you're astute, shrewd, not willing to take risks, but you can prosper from other people. And that's the attitude towards money. You'll do very well in politics. Well, um, as a photographer, like George Floyd, that influx of diversity, George Floyd bought me a house and a car. Like (laughs) I was with my photo career, it was just my regular photo career. And then all of a sudden I get jobs with Apple and Google. And yeah, I tell everyone George Floyd bought me a house and a car. I can see that. I really see how that works. That's pretty hilarious. In, that is, it's hilariously sad with the type of world we live in. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's just hilarious to me. You know, anytime like death and evil can uh, contribute to anybody's lives, that's what supervillains like me feast off of. So, okay. And with a, Plut- with a Plutonian rule, love, love style. It's all about death and rebirth. So it's funny that you make money in the death of people and not even in a ha-ha funny way. It's true to the bone of 
what Scorpio means. What are you willing to die for? Because Aries mm. is the end of the zodiac. What are you willing to live for? But Pluto is intensity, transformations, death, rebirth, death, rebirth cycles. Like that's the entire lifestyle of the Scorpio. So your photography career may die for right now in about 10 years it will rise from the ashes like the Phoenix because that's the way love cycles go, especially with Scorpio in the 11th house. Very cool. And Scorpio in the 11th house, but your financial power is in leading a group, friendships, ideas, and computers. My, so you may go. My current hmm? job, I'm a photo tech. That's how I make my living. I'm a tech. Oh, so you do like development of photos and things like well, that? Well, I, uh, I manage the, a, a photo department for students in a college. So like okay. I make sure all cameras and computers are functioning so faculty and students can get their stuff done. All right. Cool. And then you have Pluto in Scorpio. It's in its home rulership. So you get the real intensity of death rebirth and death again girl if you if you stop doing photography you could definitely be a writer awesome you can write about photography yeah. <laughs> sure. all right so we're at uh we've got if we're going to go two hours now we've extended it we're going to we have seven more minutes um if anybody else I want to chime in or um, ask any questions. Um, we've got uh, seven minutes. We might as well kick it to the two-hour mark, right? Right. Make it an even number. <laughs> so, Sarah, I, what about you? Popping up, Hannah. Okay. The more people that I read charts for, the more correlations I find in the data that I knew in my chart. Right. Yeah, that's a good thing. By I the way, so, um, yeah, since I'm here, why don't we look at my 10th house? Yeah, it's the... Nobody else is coming up right now. Um, I want to see what this, what this has to say because I'm making a lot of career moves right now. By the way, my creative director, Sarah, just showed up. She's sitting and listening right now. I've had her account signed in already, uh, but she finally is listening. <clears throat> so, Give me the date. Seventeenth. September 17th. 77. Yep, at 6, at 5.49 a.m. Okay. You got a lot of sevens in that day. Yes, they show up everywhere. It's a huge spiritual number in numerology about intuition and all that. You say so that's five. one of the reasons why I'm probably going to haunt people when I leave my body. I'm going to be, a, you know, a scourge like Freddy Krueger. Oh, Lord. You keep dreaming. What? It was yes. four. A dream demon. Dream eaters. Mm. So, let's talk about this tenth, my tenth, my tenth house. 
every time I think about 10th house, for some reason I think about 10th planet, like Nibiru. Mm -hmm. Which, answer me this. How is it that ancient sites in the world had um, a 10th planet, uh, well, nine, well, 10 planets in the solar system with relative sizes on there and carvings and things like that before they were identified in, in Greece and by telescopes? Can we, uh, they may have been close. They may have been closer at that time. You remember Mom, you were saying that there is an asteroid belt between the inner planets and the outer planets. That may have been the tenth planet that they were speaking of. No. Oh, you're right. But that planet was destroyed a long time ago, though. I mean, maybe long before uh, they even saw that. But yes, there were. Because, you know, the planets relatively follow Fibonacci sequence away from the sun. So the one, the, the one unit of distance that, um, that Mars, I mean, Mercury is away from the sun, that same distance Venus is away from Mars. And then two of those is the distance that Earth is from Venus. And then three of those is the distance that Mars is from Earth. And then, four, and then five of those is there's supposed to be a planet there where the asteroid belt is. And then eight of those is where Jupiter comes in. So it's... Um, for some reason, they follow that sequence, and also, uh, um, what is it? Uh, also, phi is another sequence that shows up a lot in the planetary uh, bodies as well. So there's a lot of a lot of interesting mathematical correlations that go with there. But yeah, I totally forgot about that. That that planet got destroyed. Yeah. One thing I want to bring up on that note is. What about the fact that Pluto was demoted to an asteroid a couple of years ago because it took 184 years to cycle around us? What if there is a planet on an extreme elliptical, like and the, the ellipsis looks like almost like a line, so to speak? Well, there is. It looks like a line going through. That's the one they call Nibiru. Right. Which is, which is why I'm saying I'm not counting the, the planet between Mars and Jupiter because it might have been destroyed way before. That's why it's not even talked about. But yes. It may be a planet we can't even see until the next 9,000 years. It may have been visible 9,000 years ago, and that's what they were tracking. Yeah. Well, um, two-minute mark here, and um, I'm definitely going to go because I've got work to do with my partner here. But um, I'll do it. Yeah. Okay. Tenth house in Gemini, the ruler of Gemini is Mercury. People with the Gemini on the tenth house cusp usually excel in professions that require good literacy, articulacy, and intelligence. They enjoy work that is diverse and moving forward fast. These people are able to pre present their ideas clearly and they like to communicate with others. Their work must be varied and stimulating. Otherwise, they will be immensely bored. These people are often tired tireless workaholics who successfully manage two different careers at the same time. And the ruler of the 10th house, Mercury, is in the 12th house. These people often have occupations that involve secrets or are not visible. A great deal of their professional activity takes place behind the scenes and not many people see what they do. They are often writers, hospital directors, film directors, producers, or own some kind of show business, etc. Mm. And Very if nice. that ain't you, I don't know what is, especially the tireless workaholic. Yeah, for real. 
Uh, I mean, I am constantly working. So we'll see. Well, uh, <clears throat> that's good times. Um, I'm glad that we were able to get to Hannah um, and uh, Brad jumped. Brad, Brady jumped up in here, and uh, we got Jade. So, <clears throat> and just before we go, got about one more minute. Just want to say hello again to Charlie. Um, hi, Nick. Snarf. Hello, Amanda. And whoever the plus one other is is listening without an account on the interwebs. Hello. I appreciate you all, you guys, for listening in and coming up. This has been your favorite astrology-loving goose, Cicely Marie. And I'm signing off with my favorite co-host, Mr. Hakeem Alexander. Mm -hmm. And this has been a wonderful time. Y'all join me again tomorrow at 5.